This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Guests on this podcast express their own opinions and conclusions. Please talk to your healthcare team regarding your specific situation. Hello and welcome to the Speak Gyno podcast. I'm your host, Nee Gutenfelder. Today, I'm really excited that we have joining us Stacy Peterson. Stacy was diagnosed with ovarian cancer when she was in her 20s while she was pregnant with her daughter. She is also an author as well as a speaker. So I'm really excited to have Stacy. Welcome. Thanks, Nee. I really appreciate it. Stacy, if you could start off by telling us how did your journey begin? If you can tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. So I was six weeks pregnant. Sorry, 26 weeks pregnant and I was having some abdominal pain that I didn't think should coordinate with a normal pregnancy. I went in only to find out that the tumor and the baby were the same size. There was a tumor on my left ovary the size of a small cantaloupe oh my um, <laughs> that had not been there with initial ultrasounds. It raised some definite concerns that anything that would grow that quickly would probably be cancerous. After a debulking surgery and some pathology reports, we were able to find out, yes, it definitely was a cancerous tumor that was stage 1A. Was this your first pregnancy? Yes. And so initially, I didn't figure anyone would listen to this new mom who was overly concerned. And I really couldn't explain too much about what I was feeling. There was just this nagging in my heart that something was just off with my health, not really knowing how I should feel during this pregnancy. I didn't know if anyone would take me seriously, but thank goodness with some urging on my part, after initial exam, they did do an ultrasound and that is how they saw the tumor. The tumor was identified and really had no other reason to look for it other than me pushing and being an advocate for myself of just making sure that the pregnancy was fine. It had never crossed my mind that um, anything was wrong with my health. I was going in just to make sure that the pregnancy was going as planned. I'm so glad that you did. I'm just thinking that would just be such a shock. Uh, Yeah. You know, we we read as moms-to-be, we read a lot of books of what to expect and how you should feel and things to do and how to prepare for the baby and this curveball was not in any of those books. This was not anything that I expected. Anything was on my radar. I was 28 at the time. I had never met anybody with ovarian cancer. I had never really heard of ovarian cancer. Definitely didn't know the signs and symptoms. So it never crossed my mind. That was my health um, that I should be concerned about. I was only concerned about the pregnancy and Mm -hmm. what I should be doing on that end. Yeah, it really speaks to how important it is to speak up and advocate for yourself if you feel like something isn't quite right. You had mentioned that you had the debulking surgery. So was that done right away? Yeah. So, I mean, I was just a very special candidate, a very special patient because, you know, I initially went in for making sure that the baby was healthy and then got transferred over to an oncologist. And the oncologist said immediately, I am just concerned about you and I need to just focus on what this mass is in your abdomen. I cannot guarantee that you will still be pregnant after the surgery, but we need to go in immediately because this mass was not there just weeks ago. And now it's the size of a cantaloupe. Anything that grows that quickly needs to be removed immediately because it's most likely cancerous. I went in immediately at 26 weeks pregnant and did the debulking while I was pregnant. Thankfully, woke up still pregnant and was able to go through about six more weeks 
of pregnancy before I delivered early, um, wow. just so that I could be treated like a typical cancer patient instead of a mom-to-be who has cancer. And that just kind of threw everybody off. They didn't know how to treat both of us, and much of the chemo could not be administered while I was pregnant. Kind of, I just got, yeah, I got to a point where it, we could focus just on me and the cancer. But the debulking and the pathology, a lot of the pathology was done while I was pregnant, yes. Did you seek a second opinion at all, or did you <laughs> trust what the doctor initially told you? Well, I trusted the diagnosis. However, I did not feel comfortable with the oncologist I started with. And I think that that's really important, though I, I trusted what she could do surgically. I trusted her medical opinion. I didn't respect her bedside manner. If I was going to go through one of the toughest battles of my life, I needed to have the right team members for, for me. That's when I sought out a second opinion. And what was fantastic is that, and I, and I think this is probably very typical, but not only getting that second opinion, but the doctors coordinated with each other across the nation mm -hmm. and said, you know, I was in the Midwest at the time, pathology and was sent to Duke, UCLA, MD Anderson, and the Mayo Clinic. So I had people looking who had no idea who I was, but they had they knew of this this pregnant woman with with ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. What was great is egos didn't get in the way. Everybody sat down, you know, across those miles, uh, you know, over the phone and figured out what was going to be best for me. And that part is a true blessing as well. You know, to your point, got the second opinion, but probably not for what most people think. It wasn't because I didn't trust or believe what the diagnosis was. It was that I just knew that I needed my team. Um, we just needed to be on the same page. That rapport yeah. is very important. Definitely. And it's an ongoing relationship as well, even after you're complete with treatment. <laughs> yes. And I will say, um, and this is very, I mean, I brag about him all the time. My oncologist that got me through this is just amazing. He treated me like his daughter. And a lot of the times that was how I asked the question. So if this was your daughter, what would we do? Or if this was, if I was your daughter, how would you treat this? He's since retired. He helped me write my book. He still sends me Christmas cards that tell me all about his trips on, in his RV and his orchards that he, him and his wife have. I mean, we have a very, very special relationship. I don't think there's too many people who have that with their oncologist, but he is, he's, he was put on this earth to do what he's doing. He found his vocation. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. That really is. And I'm glad that you, you have that rapport with your doctor and, and actually leads me to my next question. How did you find it? Just in general, are there ways that are effective communicating with your doctor? I learned from the first oncologist that I had that I did have to be my own advocate. I had to speak up. I had to stop being intimidated. I needed to go in with my questions. I had them all written down and double check, you know, is this what I'm hearing? When I would ask a question, if I didn't feel like I understood, if I didn't feel like I was being taken seriously, I would ask it again. Am I hearing you correctly? I think it's really important to have someone in with you mm -hmm. just because what I hear, you know, Nia, you and I could be sitting in the same room and we hear the same thing, but we understand it differently. So I think it's important just to have that other person in the room with you. You know, do you remember when they said this, you know, is this what you got out of it too? It just bounced those ideas off. Also, there's so much information when you go in for doctor's appointments in general. Oncology is just magnified. You get so much information. And so having someone else here and help you, I think, is tremendous. I think sometimes staying away from the Internet 
is a great advantage to you because there's just so much out there and it really gets your mind spinning. If you are going to go online and look things up, make sure it is a fact-based Credible source. Uh, credible source, yes. <laughs> and absolutely, because otherwise you just go down this rabbit hole of intense feelings and things that might not even be true. I know that there is something out online that I really, I do really like, and I, I've told people about. It's a one-sheet fact finder that the National Ovarian Cancer Coalition and Dr. Oz have put together. And it's just, I think it's a really nice, quick uh, snapshot of your health that you're able to bring in to your provider and, you know, and let them see, you know, what what you're talking about. And, it, and I think it does a really good job of talking in a medical language, talking about your symptoms, how long they've been. I just, you need to find as many ways to speak in their language as you can. Push to be heard. That's the biggest thing. Push to be heard by your doctor. That's the key. Yes. And that fact sheet that you mentioned, it is on the National Ovarian Cancer Coalition's web website? Yes, it's I believe. Yep, under the resources. Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. Throughout your process, did you seek out help from others around you? What was your support system like? So it's it's interesting to look back. I mean, so this was 13 years ago, and a lot has changed in in technology and things that we have that we did not have before. And I think there's so much out there now with websites, Caring Bridge and things of that nature where you can share information with people around you, how you're feeling, what's going on with your treatments, all in one quick snapshot. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, Sign Up Genius and, and all these other websites out there that help others help you, you know, sign up, you know, to take your dry cleaning or to pick up your groceries or, you know, and that's even, you know, in itself new that we can just do our stuff online and things get delivered to us. And that's all on a a real outside level. But Mm -hmm. for me, I was fortunate enough to have family that was close by. And I think about it now. I mean, I'm just at a different time in my life where I don't have family geographically close to me mm-hmm. and that I, I can't imagine the struggles that people face when they don't have family close by and if that is the case for you I would strongly suggest you know reaching out you know, cancer connect is cancer connect I believe that com is uh, a way to connect with other survivors but I would also suggest you know finding you know through your church finding support going through hospitals and seeing where there are groups being held because it's extremely important that we have somebody by our side on those low days to lift us up to give us that support to give us that energy that we need and they're going to have the connections that we don't have they're going to be able to tell us oh did you know about this did you hear about this group because this isn't something Put your ego aside. This isn't something you have to go through alone. And there's people out there who have been there, done that. They've already been the trailblazer, and there's no need for you to to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. That's so very true. I think just even knowing that you have a support network and that they are there when you need them is, it's huge. It's critical. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's a balance. I mean, you have to look at it from emotional, 
physical, financial, spiritual, wherever, you know, the whole pie and make sure that you have that support and that balance and you're being just aware of those things. How am I doing physically? Okay, today I might be feeling physically, I have no pain, but mentally, emotionally, how am I feeling? You know, how am I dealing with this? What do I need to do to kind of get recentered spiritually? You know, just taking care of all the pieces of the pie and, and finding those people around you. I think it's so important that we recognize the gifts that everybody shares that they have and say, you know what, you're really good at this part. <laughs> you're going to be able to kick my butt and get me out and walk because I feel I need this today. I need I need to just walk around the block. And you're going to be that cheerleader that's going to say, okay, we're going to go do this. And that's a great support. And, you know, there's going to be the other people who say, you know what, I'm, I'm too far away from you, but I'm going to give you a call. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to help you emotionally and make sure that I, I'm supporting you that way. And then there's going to be people who say, you know what, I've got a, a great group of spiritual warriors. We're going to be praying for you. And then you're going to have the group that says, hey, did you know about this financially? You can do this, this, and this. And that's, you just need to, you need to use those people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just leverage, leverage other people and their help. Absolutely. And, and everybody has that. Have, they have something. They're going to be able to bring something to the table. Being able to see that and letting them use that, it's, tr- it's a true blessing for both of you. They get to feel like they're doing something. And, you know, being 13 years out from my cancer diagnosis, I've had the chance now to be on the other side and, you know, it's a true blessing to be able to help somebody. And it's win-win. So just letting them letting them help and it helps both of you. Mm-hmm. Well, you have certainly come a long way, Stacy, and Thanks. over several years. Can you share with us where you are in your life right now? You know, whenever I start my story, everyone immediately goes to, well, okay, so how's the baby? <laughs> you know, yes, I was going to ask about that too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, she's fine. She is absolutely, she's more than fine. She came into this world as a fighter, you know, went through that first major surgery with me and proved that she can, she was ready to fight right from the beginning. You know, she was delivered early, but, you know, we had prepared for that and she, she was just small. She had no, nothing physically other than just her size, but she came into the world fighting and and always has had that spirit. I I tell her all the time that if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have went in and and paid attention to my health because really I was worried about her. So she, she saved my life and then really made it worth living because it's, it's the best job I've ever had is to be a mom and, and to be able to ha- have a mini me is pretty, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun to have, you know, she, she's at the point now, you know, she's ran some of the, the awareness races with me, which is a huge blessing and able to help spread awareness. She's at a point where her team actually got to come out. Her, she had a softball team come out and help with awareness this year. And, you know, that's, it's an inspiration. And it's definitely, you know, my push of, I don't know why I made it through ovarian cancer, but I, I think that to be able to, to save our sisters and our daughters and our nieces and our mothers and our aunts and, and all those special women in our lives. I, I have a teammate that's going to be, that's helping me do that. So that is a huge blessing. We, we wrote the, wrote a book about helping kids who are having 
loved ones in their in their lives go through mm-hmm. cancer. You know, jelly beans for mom is is a kid's version of what it what it has to be like, you know, to visit at the hospital and and to have this idea of someone you love who is who's battling. You know, I was lucky enough that um, my daughter didn't see me sick. Uh, I feel very blessed that she didn't see me sick. You know, got to carry her around to, to treatments and to doctor's appointments, and mm-hmm. she she just rolled with rolled with it. But right. it was it was a fun book to write, just because again, it's our way of of helping the kids who are are going through this, not personally, you know, going through this, the surgeries and things like that, but they're seeing their healthy loved ones be challenged with a health crisis. So, Well, I'm glad that that book is out. And could you share a little bit about the other book that you wrote? It isn't ugly forever. I love the title of it. (laughs) Well, it's one of those things that, you know, once you're through it, you can see, okay, it did get better. Like I said, you know, a little bit earlier, I've met a lot of people in this journey who they didn't find their diagnosis early or you know unfortunately lost a lot of friends uh, to this disease and it just makes me sit back and wonder you know why I made it through and I would share my story and people would I, I would be able to, to connect with them and I thought it was really important for me to give back so it isn't ugly forever is something that uh, I know a phrase that I, I started to really understand you know it does feel like the ugliness goes on and on and on and it's hard to get through each day mm-hmm. but it does it does get better. You cry less, you start to feel better, you walk a little bit farther each day, you get stronger, and that ugliness does go away. The book goes through my story, and then it also gives some advice of the things I wish I would have known. It's not a sad story by any means. It's um, When you sit down to read it, I've been told a couple of times, it sounds like you're just talking to me, and that's really, I think that's a compliment just in the fact that it's an easy read, it's conversational, it, it's hope-filled, it's, it, it has my story, but it has a lot of good information in it that kind of guides you along the way. And I didn't necessarily have those tidbits of information when I was going through it. So I just want to be able to give back and let people have a little bit clearer path. And so that the ugliness of the situation doesn't have to last long. Mm -hmm. Well, that definitely is a valuable resource. And I'm so glad that you were able to put that together for those after you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I still try to do that through my website, which is booksbyspeterson.com. And I log different ideas on there. And then I have a Facebook page books by S. Peterson, and I throw out things a few times a week. Again, going back to that balance, maybe there's going to be some financial tidbits, or maybe it's something that um, I've come across that just makes us laugh for the day. You know, it's, it's a variety, and, and just be able to give back to the, the people who uh, unfortunately are still are still fighting mm-hmm. uh, through some ugly days. And, and recently, I've, I've shared on the Facebook posts, I, I still go back in, I go in every year, and that anxiety of that doctor's appointment is still there after 13 years it's just um, it brings back memories of finding out you know that I was going to have a a cancer battle and of wondering you know is there going to be a reoccurrence or all of that so it's a little bit of everything and I I just try to share what I think what's going to resonate with them Mm -hmm. and that's very true because you can have flashbacks especially when you're in the same exam room as when you were diagnosed (laughs) and given the news that doesn't it's not something that you can easily forget no no it's not and you know it's it's a process the whole this whole journey of just processing through the diagnosis and battling through it and the wonderful people that we meet 
and and the people who have challenged us in in ways and and sent us in different directions too. It's all, you know, like I said, 13 years out, I can look at it a little bit differently than I did when I was in the thick of it. And I want to give hope, I guess, that Mm -hmm. other people, you know, you're going to be able to get there too, that this is definitely a challenge, but we, we have the people around us to help. And it's definitely something that we can overcome when we, when we ask for help. I think you've mentioned a really key thing, Stacey, in that you said that it's a process and we have to process it. I think just from talking to various people, sometimes it's like, okay, I'm ready to finish with treatment and then move on. Or just let's just shove all of this negativity and all this ugly stuff. Let's just shove it away. I just, you know, not going to deal with it. But at some point it's going to creep back up again. But we do have to push through and process it, all the ups and downs. and, And I don't know. I mean, everybody has a different way of processing it, you know, through the ugly parts of our lives, unfortunately. I mean, sometimes it's just time. Time gets us through. You know, for me, writing the book was part of my process of healing. And if it's not writing a book, but maybe it's just writing in a journal, that helps us process. You know, talking to professionals, that helps us process. You know, getting into to support groups and meeting up with, with people who are going through similar things. That's a way to process it. But you know, I'm a firm believer. I think you're spot on, me that you, you, have, to, you have to go through it. You have to kind of dig around and, and have some of that ugliness for it to, to get better. Mm-hmm. So, Lastly, Stacy, you've given us just very, just a, a wealth of information already. Are there any additional pearls of wisdom that you would offer for those who may be diagnosed with a serious illness like cancer, who's going through it at the moment? Well, and I, I, I did touch on this already, being your own advocate, pushing to be heard, pushing to know what your doctor's plan is. You know, it's your body. So if you don't understand, keep asking until you do. Having a wide variety of knowing the options, you know, talking with your doctor and saying, okay, well, this medication is out there. What else is out there? Is there anything I can do on my own? I think that's a big part of it. What can I do? Because so much is taken out of your hands. So what can I do? What what can, you know, is there a diet that I have control over that can help? Being physically active, you know, is this, that was something, honestly, that I've pointed out that I think is, if, if you were diagnosed tomorrow, are you physically ready to endure what is going to happen? Are you financially ready to go through the bills and, and all of this? That's probably my pearl of of wisdom right there is if you were diagnosed tomorrow do you have things in place and from every aspect of your life I mean from are you financially ready are you physically ready are you mentally probably not none of us are (laughs) but you know are are you are you at a place where you're healthy you've taken care of yourself in a way that if tomorrow you got the phone call that said you know, the blood works back and you've been diagnosed with whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Do you have those phone of friends in place where you can say, hey, I just got this phone call. I need your help. You know, all of those things, whatever part of the pie you want to look at first, that's your step today. I'm going to go get my will done. I'm going to go join a, a gym. 
I'm mm-hmm. going to go do something that gets me ready for just in case. And I don't think that's being pessimistic. I think it's just being realistic. There's going to be a day when we get some ugly news. You know, it doesn't have to be cancer, but we're going to get some ugly news. It's going to rattle us a little bit. Mm-hmm. And today's the day that we can start getting prepared for it. So that's my pearl. If hopefully someone can see it as that, see it as good advice to be able to take a step in the right direction today just to prepare. That's applicable to everyone because Absolutely. once we get the news and diagnosis, it is you know, nine out of 10 times, it is a complete shock and you don't have much time to prepare and get, get everything ready. It needs to be in place because then you're moving on to treatment. What's next? Yeah. And then you go into survival mode. So you've already started to put some foundation down, then you're ahead of the game as, as much, you know, as you, as you can be. So, Mm -hmm. well, thank you so much, Stacey. I really, really appreciate your time and all that you've shared with us. You really offer just a lot of hope and encouragement that wherever we're at that we can push through and there is light at the end of the tunnel that we can still have a good life despite a major uh, illness you are just one of the most genuine people that I have met and I've, I've known of you for a long time but it's only been recently that we've connected yeah and that is I don't know that is the best compliment I think I've ever had <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true I mean... <laughs> it really is true and and I definitely try to be. <laughs> you get what you get. There, there's. I'm gonna. I, I want to talk to everybody like they're my my new best friend. And being able to reach out and and chat with you recently has been has been a, a real gift for me too. So I appreciate that. Thank thank you for everything. And if anyone if anyone out there has ever had a chance to hear you speak, it is it is a really you know it's a really special treat. So thank, <laughs> well, thank you, you so much for joining us today. And I want to thank all of our listeners for being a part of our podcast and thank you for listening. Please subscribe to iTunes and if you enjoy our podcast, we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating. You can also follow us on Facebook at Speak Gyno as one word, Speak Gyno. And as always, may we empower, inspire, and spark conversations. 